0: Just to thank God for all the good things he's done in our lives you know, voice. Lord we just praise you this morning And we be so aware of your presence, tangible presence in this place And Lord we're saying it is well with my soul And we declare that prophetically Even though at times it might not be true We declare it prophetically because we believe That you're the one who can make my soul well Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will not fear no evil because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we praise you for that this morning. So I want to pray for this family, this congregation. And my prayer is, Lord, that even though they might be going through the valley of the shadow of death, that they would not fear evil. Because you are with them and you want to strengthen them. And they can trust you. So Lord, we just praise you this morning. And thank you for being our God. The God who loved us so much that you took away our sins through your Son, Jesus, who took our place on the cross. We praise you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. 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 You may be seated. Awesome. Good morning, everyone. So um, we're in week two of a series called People of the Fine Print. And um, last week, John spoke specifically about Priscilla and Aquila. And um, sort of the main theme that came out of that was was that you were made for this. You were made to serve. You were made to be part of God's kingdom. And um, I'm following, obviously following up on that with week two. And um, so I might have mentioned this before that the first church I ever did full time ministry in was in Standerton. And um, so Standerton apparently is one of the coldest places. In South Africa. Not the coldest, one of the coldest places. And I remember one morning, so I was still studying theology while I was there, and I I needed to go write an exam at my pastor's house. I studied correspondence, and, and that's where I had to go write my exam. So I woke up early in the morning, got onto my motorbike, fully kitted out with um, all the warmest things I owned in two layers of gloves. I had like a cheap woolen pair, and then it covered with a leather pair, and it was freezing, right? So I drive from where I was living to my pastor's house, and several times on the journey, it was a short journey, like three, four kilometers, several times on the journey, I remember having to scrape ice from the visor of my helmet. Several times, just driving there, get frozen up, have to wipe it off. And, and the The conditions in terms of weather was just absolutely incredible, was insane. It was harsh. And um and ministry was equally as harsh and difficult for me in that first year or two of ministry, especially in Standerton. So I'd finished I was still studying theology, so they called me to this church in Standerton, and then they said, Jacques, you're it. You need to make youth happen and you're the guy. And I just remember feeling the sort of pressure on me because of That comment, you're it, you need to make it happen. So much so that I had a fear of leaving Standerton for anything. So except when I was on leave. So when I take leave, I'd go come to Durban, come home. But when I wasn't on leave, I was too afraid to move outside the borders of Standerton for in case someone phoned me with a problem. Because I was the guy, I believed that I needed to be there. And um, I never even went out. I mean, Standerton had a KFC and a Wimpy and a Spur. Right, so you can only have so much of that before you want to go to a nice restaurant, right? Didn't take Cara, my wife, anywhere at that stage and... um, remember one day we were planning to go out for a Saturday to Secunda. Believe it or not, yeah. Fancy stuff. Bad movies, so it's awesome. And um, I was planning to go out, but then someone phoned me. Actually, they mixed it to me. Remember mix-it? Those of you guys who are old enough, you used to use mix-it. It's like WhatsApp or instant message. Someone, this girl, mix-it, messaged me that day. And she says, listen, Jacques, um, I'm in a bad space, having a fight with my boyfriend, and I think I want to take my life, and it's going to happen now. And I just remember feeling that weight, I was thinking, oh my goodness, I need, to, I need to rush over there. So I rush over to this girl's house, and mom opens the door, and I say, where's your daughter, where's your daughter? She's like, no, no, what do you mean? Why are you, in a, why are you frazzled? I said, well, she just messaged me, she said this thing. She's like, no, no, she's fine, she's gone for a horseback ride. And just remember thinking, I didn't go to Secunda. I passed on that plan to come minister to this girl, and there she was perfectly fine, horseback riding. I messaged her later, hey, what, what happened? We thought you were you, you still you're all right. Yeah, know. I was bored. went for a horseback ride. But because of moments like that, I had so much fear. Couldn't leave Stanton. What if another girl wants to commit suicide? What if another guy wants to commit suicide? Then eventually I spoke to one of our elders, actually the elder, like the main one. And he, and he said to me, why don't you ever leave Stanton? Why don't you ever take Cora to the movies? And then I sort of expressed to him this anxiety that I had around ministry. And he, and he gave me some sort of version of Jacques, when you're gone, we we'll still be here because church is better together. Some version of church is better when we do it together. And I just remember feeling the release that day because the ministry model or the, the model that I adopted for doing church was the Old Testament temple model. The Old Testament temple model said you had these few holy or sacred places you had these holy or sacred texts that could only be interpreted by a few holy or sacred men. And that was it. Ministry was, I needed to do it. It was very exclusive. Only a few people could do work for God in this model. And I discovered some really, really cool things while preparing for this message. So, so all of the priests from the Old Testament... They're from the, the, the order of Levi. So they're from the priestly order of Levi. Jesus, on the other hand, was from the priestly order of Melchizedek, which is a higher order. So all the, the, the priests from Levi's order, when they, they were all sinful. They were human beings who needed to purify themselves. They were all sinful. Jesus, on the other hand, was sinless. Higher order. The priests from The Old Testament they would sacrifice bulls and animals to cover sin. Jesus Jesus sacrificed himself. The Old Testament priests would sacrifice continuously, ongoingly, for the Jews. However, when Jesus sacrificed himself, there was one sacrifice, no more sacrifices, once for all, for everyone. Everyone was included in this message. The Old Testament priests, the priestly order was exclusive, as I mentioned. You couldn't become a priest. You can't just wake up one morning and feel God's calling on your life and say, hey, I want to study theology, then become a priest. You needed to be born into this priestly order of Levi. Very exclusive. Only few men could do this. But Jesus' priestly order, Jesus' model of ministry, or Jesus' model of doing church. When you receive Christ, you are born into his priestly order. And because of Jesus, first Peter says that we all now are priests. And we also get born into priestlyhood or priesthood because of Jesus. So when you become a believer, we move away from this Old Testament temple model that was done only by a few holy men into a new priestly order where the whole church, every single person who believes in Christ, Christ gets born into the new priestly order and every single one of us are now priests. I want um, to read your passage of Scripture it's from 1 Peter 2, verse 5. It says this. Actually, I'm going to read from verse 4. It says, As you come to Him, Jesus... The living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. Verse five says, you also are like living stones are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So if you're new to church, why do I mention these two sorts of priests and these two ministry models? Very simple. If you're new to church you don't understand this, Jesus died for your sin. You deserve to die, but Jesus took your place. That's awesome. That means you can now go to heaven, have a relationship with God, but not only can you have a relationship with God, He's also given you a purpose because you're a priest now, believe it or not. You're a priest That's He's given you a purpose and God wants you to discover your purpose and lean into your spiritual gifts. I need you to know that because Jesus has washed away your sin, even though you might be guilty, you're guilt-free because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Powerful, powerful message. Old Testament model, few people were highlighted. The New Testament model, the model that Jesus introduced, already mentioned all of us are priests. The awesome thing with that is there's a lot of people who you don't know, a lot of people who are in the fine print. So I'm gonna read you a passage from Colossians. It's Colossians 4 um, from verse seven. It's a long passage, um, right up to Verse 18. So let me just be honest with you. It's, not, it's not, a, not a captivating read, okay? So it's like in the final greetings, when I read this thing, I'm like, this is slightly boring for me. It might be riveting for you. But, um, but if you're like me and you might get bored throughout, I'm gonna make it slightly interesting. So, so what's gonna come now is a list of people in the fine print. There's a list of names that's gonna be read. And I want you to count how many people are in the fine print, how many names come up as I read through this passage. Okay, so I'm gonna read from verse seven of Colossians 4. It says this. So it starts off with a name. I'm giving you the hint. The first word is a name. So count that. Tick the box, okay? Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is, here, um, he is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is, he is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you, they will be telling you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, um, Aristochus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Jesus, who is also called Justice, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. "'Epaphras, who is one of you "'and a servant of Jesus Christ, send his greetings. "'He is always wrestling in prayer for you "'that you may stand firm in all the will of God, "'mature and fully assured. "'I vouch for him that he is working hard for you "'and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. "'Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, "'and Demas sends his greetings. "'Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters "'at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house.' After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read to the church of Laodicea, of the Laodiceans, and that you in turn read this letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Exciting passage, eh? Yeah, I know. So, so how many names did you did you did you pick up? Fifteen? How many do you say? Say? Thirteen. I'm hearing twelve over here. Twelve. Okay. There were eleven names. Good. Yeah, well, I said people of the fine print, Janice. No, that's very good. That's very good. There's, there's eleven or twelve names in this passage, okay? And uh, these are all people that had had become part of or born into Christ's family and had received a purpose, and a calling, and they were leaning in to what God has called them to do. One of the, I wanna, I wanna highlight verse, verse 10 real quick, okay? So one of, I wanna speak about this specific guy today. Verse 10, we read about Mark sending his greetings, but Mark was the cousin of Barnabas. So, so they don't know who Mark is, but they know who Barnabas is. It's like someone saying, hey, Jacques, on Friday night, Kevin's gonna come to your church, and his father is the president. It's like, it's like the, Mark isn't the important person, it's, it's Barnabas, who is, he's the cousin of Barnabas. So who is Barnabas? And this is the person of the fine print that I'm going to be speaking to you about this morning. So we read about Barnabas all over the place, especially in the book of Acts, and the first place I want to highlight to you this morning is in Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4. So Barnabas, or the church, was born into an incredibly economically difficult time. So people were struggling financially. And then this guy, Barnabas, when he's mentioned, says that Barnabas had a piece of land. He decided to sell it. Maybe he thought, I'm not gonna take me back much. Um, He sold his property, took, took the money and gave it to the apostles to help care for all those people in need. So we see Barnabas, the first time I read about this guy in Acts chapter four, we see that this oak sees a need and he fills a need. Sees a need and he fills a need. Has anyone ever heard of a guy named Edmund Hillary? Edmund Hillary, if he's slightly older, I mean, that's just slightly older than me. That means you've heard of Edmund Hillary. Anyone, please quickly, just hands I'm not gonna ask you to, That's yeah, nice, okay. So some of you don't know who he is because he's very, if he was alive today, he would have been very, very old. Um, so Sir Edmund Hillary um, was the first guy who ever put his foot on the highest place of the earth called Mount Everest. It's 29,000 feet above sea level. So not only was he, was he called Edmund Hillary, later on he was knighted by Queen Elizabeth II and called Sir Hillary. He was knighted with John Hunt, who actually led the expedition, the ninth expedition. Okay, so, so Sir Edmund Hillary is well known to a lot of people, a lot of people, even in this church, even in this congregation. Do any of you know who Tenzing Norgay is? Tenzing, a few, few names less than before. Okay, so, so Edmund Hillary was the first guy to put his foot on the top of Mount Everest. Tenzing Norgay, this is, this is a picture of Tenzing Norgay by himself holding a pole. So this was a guy, a guy who assisted him on this expedition. He also put his foot right on the top, the highest place of earth, Tenzing Norgay. So the reason he's in the photo, this is the actual photo that circulated the globe actually when, when, they, when they made this, when, when, they, when they did this. The reason Edmund Hillary is not in the photo because Tenzing Norgay, who was a Nepalese Sherpa, couldn't take photos. Sherpas would serve the mountain. He couldn't have to take a photo. And that shame, poor old Hillary, he didn't know about selfies back in the day. Because if he had known about a selfie, he would have been in the photo. But this is the only evidence we have that Hillary made it to the top. We're just taking Tenzing Norgay's word for it. But Hillary got knighted, along with John Tenzing Norge didn't get knighted, even though he also made it to the top. You see, history has a way of elevating one person to the top, even though there are many people in the fine print. Almost no one knows who Tenzing Norge is, and even fewer people know that there were three other people that went with them on this expedition, made it right to the top in support. Not only were they these five men, but also, and there was a, yeah, these five men, but they were also he also had a 400-person team, 400 people, 362 of them were porters and 20 of them were Sherpas. Almost 400 people, if you do the math. We don't know any of their names. Remember when that, that elder said to me, church is done better when we do it together? History has a way of elevating, putting someone in the spotlight. Not everyone's gonna be in the spotlight, but your name needs to be in the fine print. If you're sitting here today, Your name needs to be in the fine print because God has called you to be in the fine print. Does anyone know who William Wilberforce is? Another famous guy. Most, a lot of people. So William Wilberforce is known as the man who abolished slave trade in 1833. Famous guy. Everybody knows who William Wilberforce is. A lot of people know who he is. He made the spotlight. He actually got a movie devoted to him. Does anyone know who Thomas Clarkson is? Am I seeing, no hands, okay. Say again. <laughs> You're not that old. That's right, because Thomas Clarkson was born in 1760. So Thomas Clarkson, when he was 19 years old, wrote an essay. It was a Spanish essay. It was titled, Is Slave Trade Lawful? He wrote this, he wrote this essay, entered a competition and won, and this thing stuck in his heart. He realized that the world had a need using people as slaves, and and he needed to fill a need, needed to fight against this. But because he didn't have the political background, didn't have the weight, he didn't have um, the influence, he needed to approach someone. So he approached a parliamentarian, Methodist parliamentarian, who had some weight, who had some influence, and uh, his name was William Wilberforce. The guy who was known for abolishing slave trade, but actually seemed to be inspired by Thomas Clarkson through an essay that He wrote, name is in the fine print. But slave trade was abolished because of him. You might be in the fine print this morning. But I believe that God wants to do great things through you. We read about Barnabas again in in Acts chapter chapter nine. You can read from verse 21. So Saul was um, persecuting Christians. Then at some stage, this guy meets Jesus, becomes a Christian, And now he wants to go preach and tell everyone about Jesus, but Christians were suspicious of him. They were afraid of him, right? Obviously, because he was persecuting Christians. And then we read about Barnabas. And Barnabas is the one that stood up for him. You can read that in Acts 9. He was the one who stood in the gap for him. He was the one who vouched for him. And I wonder if, if Paul's ministry would have been so effective if it wasn't for Barnabas this guy was in the fine print. Paul gets elevated to the top, but Barnabas was the one who cleared the way for him, even though he was in the fine print. Does anyone know who, who Edward van Antwerpen is? You, if you do, I'll be very impressed, because Edwin, Edward van Antwerpen is originally from Cape Town, first year medical student, and he just joined, joined our church a few months ago. <laughs> He'll be in the evening service if you want to come meet him. Please do. This oak is just absolutely phenomenal, speaking about finding a need and filling a need. So he joins our church and he says, hey Jacques, what can I do at youth? So I said, most of our spaces are full in terms of leadership. Would you please come serve in operations? So operations is very practical, hands-on sort of work and we need to set up sound and equipment and set up things that's hard work. And he says, "I'm, I'm in. Later on, we send him a message. We're like, hey Edward, so we've got an offering talk coming up at youth. Is there any way you would consider, before he even said consider doing it, he says, I'm in, I'll do it. And this guy rocks up here with no notes and he does a, an offering message. And I was like, oh my word, this guy's doing operations, but he's definitely gifted as a communicator. Then Funky Fishbowl, it's happening this week. We phone him up again, he's like, Edward, Funky Fishbowl, he said, I'm in. <laughs> he doesn't even know what we're gonna ask him. We're gonna ask him to do a whole message at Funky Fishbowl, he said, no, no, I'm still in. He saw a need and he filled the need. And what I love about this oak is is he, he's, he started off in operations, which might not be his gifting. He's definitely gifted as a teacher, but he still faithfully serves in operations and he's sort of leaning in, getting closer to a space where he gets to do what God has called him and made him to do. Maybe that's your truth as well. Maybe you start off in operations that might not be your gifting. It may be, but it may not be. But why don't you just start and see where God takes you and put your name in the fine print. There was a guy in um, In a, uh, worked, I worked at a place, a designer clothing store called Soweto in Gateway. And um, this, oak, uh, I was busy doing work and this guy comes in and we have a conversation, right? So eventually I discovered that this guy is Christian. This guy's Christian and um, he, he asked me what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. I was like, no, I'm gonna go into full-time ministry, but I'm gonna minister exclusively to Afrikaans people. And he he looks at me and he frowns and he pauses. I'm like, this is a long pause. I wasn't comfortable with pauses back then. And he says, why would you only minister to Afrikaans people? And I said, I don't know. And he said, why would you limit yourself to ministering to only a people group? And I said, yes, yes, you're right. Yes, thank you, Barnabas. Thanks for encouraging me. Thanks. Well, speaking to me, I don't know what his name was. I saw him again like years after that at a conference. I couldn't remember who this guy was, saw this face. Who are you? I don't know, you look familiar. That night I remembered God reminded me that was the guy who said to you, Don't only minister to a one people group. I don't think I would be here today. Here, here at Westville Baptist Church. Westville Baptista Caric, as Wax O said. But I'm not there because of one guy in the fine print whose name I don't even remember. Maybe you're that guy. That's what Barnabas did. Stood in the gap for Paul. If it wasn't for Barnabas, Paul wouldn't be where he was. This guy encouraged me. If it wasn't for this guy who encouraged me, I wouldn't be where I am today. He leaned into his spiritual gift. You read about Barnabas again in Acts chapter 11, verse 23. And Barnabas, just if you, if you didn't know this, actually, let me read the verse to you. It says this, when he arrived, so he arrived at a church, a brand new church that was, that was launched. And um, this church was thriving. At that stage, they were only preaching to Jewish people. and A lot of Jews came to faith. Because they were a new, new church, the apostles decided that they needed to send someone reliable, which was Barnabas, to go and see what they're preaching is okay. It's actually theologically sound. So Barnabas says, well guys, you know I led Paul to you and you see how good he's doing. And then you know also I sold one of my properties And I gave to the church, actually, I'm done with this. I think I've done enough now. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He just says, yes, I see a need. I'm going to fill a need. So he goes, he goes to this church. And then eventually he sees what's happening and listen to what happens in verse 23. He says, when he arrived and saw saw that God's grace or what the grace of God has done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Then it says, numerous people were added to the church from that day. So Barnabas arrives, he encourages them. The reason I keep saying encourage because the word Barnabas, the name means son of encouragement. Barnabas' his real name wasn't even Barnabas, his real name was Joseph. And he got sort of this nickname as the son of encouragement because this guy was leaning into his gifts. Isn't that incredible? He does what he, he, does what he was called to do so well that people recognize the gift in him And they call it out of him, son of encouragement, just like this guy did to me at Soweto, the clothing store. Son of encouragement. We also know that Barnabas was a priest from the priestly order of Levi. He was born into priesthood. He couldn't become a priest. He was born into it. But then he meets Jesus. Then he gets born into the priestly order of Melchizedek, which is from Jesus. And we see his ministry move. I love this. We see his ministry move from doing a few tasks at the temple to all the world. When he discovered that God had called him to be a priest, have him a purpose, he ministered not only at the temple, but wherever he went, he leaned in and encouraged, and the church exploded because of this one guy leaning in. Let me ask you a question, then I'm gonna wrap it up. Why did God allow these 11 names to be included in, this, in that passage in Colossians? Why did he allow it? because he had one, one chance to write the Bible, right? It was probably expensive to produce these documents. Why include these names into the fine print? Why not just give the essentials, the stuff that we really, really need to know? Unless what God was trying to say to us is that these people were included because I invited them in to be involved and to build my kingdom. That's why they were included. Your name is written in the fine print. Because God is inviting you to step in and to lean into what he has called you to do. I'm gonna wrap it up. First thing I spoke about was the temple model. Remember, we don't belong to the old temple model anymore. Each of us are a priest. We belong to the, we're a priesthood of all believers. If you see a need, please, won't you fill a need? Won't you start like Edward in operation somewhere and allow God to move you to where you need to be? See a need, fill a need. And won't you lean into your gifts? your spiritual gifts. If you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, you need to ask God. You need to speak to Moira. She's right in front of you. She was also on MC this morning. Speak to Moira so she can set you up with a spiritual gifts assessment. You need to discover your gifts and you need to lean in because you're in the found print. Allow God to use you. Let's pray. Father, this morning we're so aware that that nothing is by accident. You included those 11 people because you wanted their names to be there so that we could discover them in the fine print. Thank you for telling us that we are part of the fine print, that you want to use us, that you want to include us in your kingdom. We praise you for